Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World, the voice user experience and strategy podcast. Today is going to be an interesting episode. We're talking to some people, who, some practitioners in this space from a company who, funnily enough, it was one of the first companies I ever stumbled across when I sort of first started looking into this space. Uh, this company and these people in particular are really leading the way when it comes to voice-first uh, design, voice-first user experience, creation, development, and all of that kind of stuff. We're going to get really into detail about how they go about doing this stuff, some of the challenges they've faced, some of the opportunities that exist for brands, and we'll kind of be speaking about their experience and skill set and all that kind of stuff. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, our guests today are Luciana Alexander Moray, who is the UX lead and voice user interface designer at Wit Lingo, and Brielle Nikolov, lead UX, uh, lead VUX rather, uh, uh, research and design, also at Wit Lingo. Uh, Whitlingo is a hugely interesting company and we're going to get up and close and personal with, with Luciana and Brielle just now and we've also got Dustin joining us again along for the ride. Ladies and gentlemen, this is VUX World. Hello everybody and welcome to VUX World. Hello, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting hey. us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Wicked. Are you there, Dustin? How's it going? Doing pretty well, Kane. How about you? Yeah, yeah, very well, very well. Super excited for this call with Brielle and Luciana of Whitlingo. Um, let's start by doing a few introductions. We'll start with you, Luciana. Do you want to tell us a little bit kind of about yourself and about what you do at Whitlingo? Sure. Um, so I am Whitlingo's uh, lead UX uh, voice and research designer. Um, and basically my role is to engage with clients, um, help them to discover uh, the best uh, the best approach uh, to a voice first component, uh, especially for new brands uh, that are just now discovering and exploring this uh, this new world uh, that we're in. And um, I develop a lot of the scripts, uh, do the usability testing, uh, the engaging with developers, both uh, our internal developers and if the client has any developers of their own, engage with them as well. And uh, just a little bit more about me. Uh, my background is actually in UX. Um, I have come from uh, the traditional UX, desktop, mobile, uh, and interaction design, and found myself in voice within the past uh, year and a half. Uh, just became enthralled with the world of uh, the Amazon Echo and Google Home, Cortana, et cetera. Um, and just found myself in, and now I'm at Whitlingo and really, really loving my time here. Uh, it's a great company, great group of people that I work with. Wicked. One of them people is Brielle. Brielle, do you want to tell us a little bit about your role at Whitlingo and, and similarly kind of how, how you got into the whole voice thing? Right. Yeah. So I'm also a lead at Whitlingo. Um, Luciana and I have pretty similar roles and we work on separate projects and on things together when she has some input about her own um, from the research side since she's coming from a very strong background in that. And then uh, we'll, we'll collaborate on the design and the research together. So um, my background is actually in uh, neuroscience and linguistics. Um, I finished both of my degrees in those topics last year and then um, found myself in this field because um, it's an incredible 
space um, moving so fast. And Witlingo is um, just doing some incredibly innovative things. So it's just a fun and interesting new thing every day. So um, that's kind of how I found myself here. Um, And I just, I love being able to take what we know about human language and about engaging people through voice and then designing out our experiences with the, with that um, knowledge. Cool. Fantastic. Thanks for that. Have you come across much from Whitling or Dustin in your travels? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's, you know, it comes up in, in news articles here and there, and it's certainly discussed pretty ex- extensively in the community as well. So I'm, I'm for one looking forward to really learning more about it today cool yeah it does seem to be as i said in the intro it is one of the first places and one of the first companies that i sort of come across like months back when i was kind of planning the podcast and stuff like that um you know really one of the forward thinking kind of innovative companies in this space uh do you want to sort of tell us a little bit about witlingo i'll go back to you luciana do you want to tell us a little bit about witlingo and and you know what it does and 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 all about the company Mm, sure so uh i want to throw a shout out to our founder ceo um ahmed bouzid uh, who actually originally came from the Amazon team and has this vision of uh, ubiquitous voice society and he just wants to bring voice into everything and it's something that every member of the Whitlingo team believes in, in the power of voice, uh, definitely to connect and solve problems for a ton of people out there. Um, and that's basically what it is that we do. We not only help uh, clients uh, bridge that gap. I think that right now, for example, there's a lot of brands and a lot of companies that are unsure as to how to step into the voice sphere, um, what exactly the type of products that would work well with that channel. And we basically are little Sherpas in that world and we help them and we guide them into that process um, and making sure that these brands have their first foothold in the voice world. So we basically, not only do we provide, um, I guess, consulting services, I guess would be the closest uh, terminology for that, uh, but we are also internally exploring a lot of different uh, solutions in the voice sphere of of our own, um, that some of these things that we can talk a little bit about later, uh, but basically we're just, I I like to call it a full stack voice company. We think and breathe this stuff and we love it. Um, And we just want to make everybody enjoy it as much as we do. Yeah. And um, jumping off that. So we, um, we will work with brands to basically create an experience that will um, kind of bring a lot of value to their customers on these voice devices. So, Um, We can start from the very, very beginning and brainstorm ways that they want to be represented on these platforms and then build out the entire experience. Um, We can, it can be as involved or uninvolved as as they want. So if they have a team of creatives as well, they can um, build out various parts of that experience or they can delegate it all to us and we'll do that. But then we've also, as Luciana mentioned, we've got our internal solutions as well that um, it's it's uh, it's kind of like the a, a package of what you can kind of um, allow your brand to be um, kind of enabled through these tools we've already created. So you can connect your brand to um, you, you can connect your brand's Facebook page. To, so if you we, this is we call this the voice first portal. So um, 
so you, your company can have its own portal that is um, you, you connect the company's Facebook page through Alexa and then all of your user base can listen to any updates and Facebook posts that come up on their Alexa. And then you can also connect an FAQ page on your company to Alexa and there are just various different things that you can use through this voice first portal. Cool. So so is that like, um, would that be a skill that, that, that you would create for the brand that would then plug that stuff into, into it and then the user would then enable that brand skill and then get that content is how it works. Exactly. So um, all these brands already have these things. They've already got a Facebook page. They've already got their FAQ pages. Um, there's also an RSS feed. So all these brands have this content and it's just a matter of kind of getting it onto Alexa. And we've already built the wizards and the tools to um, get those delivered and into the skill store in under five minutes. Dustin, you were going to mention something about um, transferring existing content, weren't you? Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. I'd like to hear more. And when you say from you know getting it into the skill and into the skill store in minutes, uh, does that involve? Do you do you all have a special connection with the the skill stores providers with Amazon, with Google, and and Cortana that helps uh, speed that process up? In- Go, go ahead, Brown. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no. You, oh, I wasn't good. Okay. No, you can start. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so we are um, a preferred provider for, for Amazon and for Google. So we have those connections and we have, of course, um, access to internal teams if there are any uh, roadblocks in the process. Um, so we're definitely used to um, making sure that our clients get up, up and ready, up on voice as fast as possible. So yeah, we definitely have the support systems uh, within uh, the context of these uh, providers. Cool. And, and how do you determine uh, if the existing content is a good fit for voice, mm-hmm. right? Not everything is. How, how do you go about thinking about that? So absolutely. So especially when we're talking about uh, the voice first portal and the uh, interaction with Facebook, right? So we have actually a page that provides guidelines on how to tweak your Facebook content for voice. This is very similar to how you tweak any type of content for UX, if you think about it. There's a, there's some similarities there. And uh, for one, you want to make sure that you provide context. You're basically designing for a channel that doesn't always have the ability uh, or the privilege of using site, right? So you want to stay away from... Um, as much as possible, you want to stay away from uh, the mobile, the mobile sphere, and whatnot. So, in other words, what does that mean? So, your content should be, for the most part, uh, brief. It should provide enough context, talk context for the user to understand what that uh, that Facebook feed is about. Uh, steer clear from things like links or just posting a link. Hey, everybody, here's a link. That tells you absolutely nothing when you're listening from from a voice perspective. Um, uh, make sure that you are descriptive um, in your text. Make sure that you are not long-winded because the last thing that you need is an entire paragraph worth to listen to. Um, and I think that for brands, these, just starting with these very, very basic um, uh, content uh, content uh, strategies for handling voice, especially for, for social, and since you're posting a lot of different, uh, different uh, feeds and whatnot, so users on the uh, on the interface um, are most likely going to listen to, if you're, you know, Facebook, you're listening to anywhere from maybe 10 to 20 posts a day, depending on how active a brand is. Those are things that are very good um, to not inundate the, um, 
the user with a lot of information and uh, make the experience uh, enjoyable for them. So let's start there. And uh, I, you know, just to send an absolutely shameless plug, we do have guidelines on our site on how to design for uh, Facebook. Um, and we, of course, can help people with that as well and provide some further guidance if they need it. And what I think is interesting about what you just said is that uh, these guidelines that you're saying sound like they would be good guidelines even if you weren't uh, pushing it to voice. Absolutely, absolutely. You do not, you never want, like, gosh, you know, content is king. I'm an absolute believer in content. It's uh, it's what moves uh, so much of the world, basically. It's what people digest, what people eat up. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to overload a user with too much content, just like you wouldn't want a lot of text on a page you also wouldn't want a lot of script. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, and we actually developed these guidelines um, in order to give to anybody that is uh, connected through the Facebook portal. And, um, and you're right that they are pretty good guidelines for just text in general, but then there are also very voice-specific things that um, that you wouldn't just naturally think of um, like putting putting a phone number in a specific format or um, not using hashtags on the Facebook posts because um, Alexa trips up on stuff like that. You know, mm -hmm. little things that we've kind of um, dug up and kind of tried to provide to anybody who does have this um, connection to the Facebook portal. Hmm. It sounds like it's a that sounds like a, a, a good kind of untapped use case. I've never I've never kind of come across that. And it sounds as though if a brand's already pretty active on Facebook, then you know to get themselves a presence on voice using that content and repurposing it in the voice space sounds like a pretty good idea. And we'll link to those guidelines um, in the show notes. So one of the things I was curious about is. Is there a way of determining which posts to send to Alexa and which ones not to? I know that the guidelines um, in here, you mentioned there, Brielle, about using hashtags and stuff like that. Um, and another question is video as well. So video, Facebook are really kind of pushing video and, and, and you know, you'll notice everyone's newsfeed is kind of full of video. So are, are your clients that are, that are taking advantage of the Facebook side of stuff, are they having to change the way they write all of their posts or is, it, is there a kind of selective way of sending certain ones to Alexa? Um, right now, um, you're not able to, to select various posts, but that's something we'll be moving um, towards in the future. And that's also kind of uh, an Alexa limitation where um, that might be kind of something that they'd have to figure out from their side and then we could work with it. But, um, but right now, yeah, so every post, for example, that I write for Witlingo or somebody from the team writes for Witlingo's Facebook post, we just make sure to keep these guidelines in mind so that um, when people are listening through Alexa, um, every post that comes up will be in the correct format. So absolutely, I have to um, agree with Riel at this point. So because um, we cannot specifically cater individual posts uh, for voice, assume that anyone who's listening uh, via Alexa is going to get all of your posts. Just assume that. So what does that mean? And I think that for brands, that's going to be very helpful to keep the voice user in mind um, at all times. Because if I think that if you are gauging your content for the years, chances are um, you're going to be creating content that is 
brief and that is to the point and that will emit the message that you want to convey. So it's going to force you to write less and write more efficiently. And do these recommendations, I know uh, there's also, we're moving more towards multimodal and a lot of people are thinking that uh, we're moving from voice first to maybe voice plus screen in a lot of these situations. Mm -hmm. Does that change the calculus for you in terms of what content is good for voice or how you uh, how you write that content? So uh, my personal advice on that is, uh, while it would be great to have a voice first uh, world, we do have to keep in mind that that does kick out an enormous amount of people who cannot hear and who cannot speak and who still need to have access uh, to the information that you're sharing on voice. And uh, I wanna you know, keep that in mind as well because voice is about one component in the pie of channels that is out there that need to reach audiences that are out there, right? It is not one of those things that I say, you must only be on voice because it is the new shiny toy. Make sure that your content is accessible on every other channel because you do not ne- you never know what type of user you're going to leave out. Having said that, um, personally, I think that if the great majority of your useful information is wind- winding up on mobile, then I have to beg the question as to why you're doing anything for voice, right? So I think that that is probably a good um, uh, a good idea or basically a good guide for you to figure out what type of content uh, fits for voice, for example. Uh, so just let me explain this. So I actually used to work for a fashion company that shall not be named, but can probably dig that up in my resume. Um, and they were talking about uh, implementing voice for the first time. And, you know, this is a fashion company. Some of the first ideas that come up in your mind are, okay, well, fashion is so much eyes, right? Everything about it is for the eyes. How do we incorporate voice into that? Uh, There was a lot of ideas being thrown around. So, for example, um, we can, how can we help our users identify an outfit for uh, for tonight's dinner event? Can we use a voice for that? At some point, just thinking about it, you know that some of that content, a good portion of that content, is going to translate to your mobile device. It's going to push to your mobile device. So if you are a uh, young lady, 21 years of age, target market over there, uh, shopping for an evening gown for the evening, you're going to want to see how that actually looks, right? So that's either going to push to your mobile device, which is the fastest, or it's going to push, if you have it, um, an Echo Show, something like that, right? So at that point, one of the things that I suggested was, well, how about you solve a big customer problem instead? Why don't you just say, where is my package? Now, if you think about that, if you help customers know when their package is about to be delivered, that is a much quicker experience, right? It removes the friction of them going to the website, logging in, finding out the information about when the package is coming in, or worse, having to call customer service and say, hey, my package is not here. It's much faster for them to go and ask Alexa, hi, shop, where is my package? Much faster experience and provides a greater value. And it solves, not only does it solve a customer value uh, on a, a value on a customer, but also solves a customer service value for your team because you've just decreased a significant amount of calls that they might be having in that team. So think about it from that perspective. Not everything is attuned for voice. And that's why people do have to think about the uh, other channels that are out there that work better for the eyes. And at the end of the day, one of the things that I believe in is that 
a lot of content. If you have the privilege of, of having eyesight, you can still digest information much faster, uh, view, or, view your eyes in many ways than you can voice. So just keep that in mind. What exact, what type of information can you digest faster by hearing versus eyes? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that you've kind of touched upon a, a really interesting point there of depending on who you speak to and depending on what kind of business they work in, they'll kind of approach voice in two different ways. So I remember when we spoke to Vasily Shinkarenka from Storyline, he was of the opinion that the whole voice first, certainly in terms of smart speakers, is what he thinks is going to become a real content-based thing. And we kind of spoke a little bit earlier on about, you know, using Facebook and repurposing content from elsewhere in a voice environment that, that is essentially doing that. But I think I like I like what you're saying there around you had a client that came to you thinking that they wanted to do something content based, but then you turned it around actually to be service based, mm-hmm. which is the second kind of, um, you know, use cases. You can either provide content or you can provide a service. So I'd be interested in kind of maybe it's Brielle, you can speak from on, on this from a research perspective. What kind of like research would you do when a client comes to you and says, I want to do something on, in this voice space in order to determine, you know, whether or not you should approach something from a content perspective or whether you should approach something from a service perspective is there anything in particular that you would that you would do to determine that um well luciana do you want to take this one too i mean i think you might have a general idea of where to start just because you have the research the ux research background uh, so yeah so i think that and can just so that i understand the question your question uh, could you just rephrase it for one more time yeah please? thank you so so when a brand comes to you and they say, you know, I want to, I want to explore the kind of voice mm-hmm. space. You've kind of got two options. Well, you might have more. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. But the two options that would immediately come to mind is either you're going to provide content, mm-hmm. or you're going to provide a service. So content could be a flash briefing with a news update every day. Mm-hmm. Service could be, as you mentioned, check when your parcels getting delivered. So. How do you guide a brand that comes to you saying, I'm interested in doing something in the voice space? How do you guide them as to which avenue to go down, content or service? So the first thing that I do is try to understand what their vision is. Whenever a company comes to us and says, hey, I want to go into voice, uh, they usually say, we were thinking about dot, 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 right? And we try to have that conversation about where do they come from? What is the problem they're trying to solve? What is the impact that they want to give to their customers out in the world? What is the perception that they want to give to customers out in the world, right? Um, I think that one of the issues that brands are facing right now is that not only do they feel this pressure to be out on voice, but they also feel the pressure to be good at it, right? Which is ideal. Um, we, We want people to think that way. We want to think about the quality uh, of the content that they put out into into the world. Uh, this is not the dot-com era where you could launch a pretty crappy website and there we go, our brand is out there. Um, we have... Yeah, and, grown, and oh, go actually, ahead. Yeah, there are um, upwards of 30,000, 40,000 skills or something on the Alexa skills store right now. And and obviously the vast majority are just um, crappy. Are not useful. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just, yeah, crappy. Exactly, <laughs> and that, that reflects badly on you uh, because we as human beings have grown accustomed to expecting more from our technology. We, we 
we expect a lot more from our technology than we did uh, 10, 20 years ago. Uh, so the thing for me is uh, try to understand where what the, who the target market is. What is what is the target market's main focus when they come to your product? What are they, what problem are they trying to solve? Right? What or alternatively, what's the biggest pain point for the customer? So for example, for that fashion company, the biggest pain point is they had no idea uh, most of the time when their packages were going to be arrived. It was all over the place, right? So that is a very low friction solution to a very big problem. Um, and to me, that made more sense. Now, another thing that I always try to tell brands is uh, pay attention to how likely your use space is to actually use voice, to go to voice to solve some of those problems. Some of those problems. So do a little bit of internal research and understand this is something that our people are demanding. Um, while I do think that it's incredibly important for brands to jump into voice, I also think that it's very important for them to take a step back and say, is this the time to do this? Uh, do our customers truly need this at this point in time? Um, or are they navigating uh, to other venues? Like, For example, if you're, we have um, one client right now, uh, the predominant users over there are senior citizens. You might want to watch the growth, for example, the growth of voice in the senior citizen community. Um, there's a lot of demand for voice components because it makes it so much easier for them to solve problems. Well, that is, if you're working with, that's your population of your use space that you're working with, it, it makes absolute sense for you to incorporate some sort of uh, voice component because look at the amount of friction that you're going to remove uh, by having voice solutions for this target market. Um, so it does force brands to take a step back and say, okay, how do I better serve uh, my users at this point and the customers that I have? Um, not necessarily can I win glory out there by designing this incredible voice brand and having it win an award. No, focus on your customers first and foremost. Um, that I will always push uh, customers and our clients uh, to think about that. Um, and it's going to be varied, right? You're going to have uh, customers again, depending on a product that are going to need a very complex voice uh, system and a voice uh, solution. Um, and then you're going to have some that could get away with providing really great value with a very, very uh, honed down and tapered uh, voice solution. So it all depends. We work, it's, what, it's part of that dance that we have with our clients. And when it comes down to it, when we're talking about um, user experience and customer experience as a whole, every single, I mean, nowadays, our customers are demanding so much more of every single brand and every single touch point that a customer has with a company is one way is another aspect of that um, experience that they're forming opinions about your brand. So you go online and you uh, do the little chat bubble and ask somebody and if, if it takes five minutes to respond, that's like a little ding on your brand. You know, if, you say, hey, Alexa, I want, I wonder if X and like X and Y brand is on Alexa. Let me try. And if, if they don't have a presence or if that um, skill that does get surfaced comes up and it's not a good experience, that's just yet another different touch point that um, the customer is mm -hmm. using to kind of form this whole opinion of any, any particular company or brand. And, and Brio, I think you touched on something really interesting that, that always gets brought up when you talk to skill developers, which is discovery. 
how do you how do you recommend having these brands uh, customers discover that they have skills in the first place, skills or actions? Yeah, um, that's a very very big challenge that we're all solving right now. Um, we like to use the example. Um, so Cisco, you have C I S E O, and you've got S Y S E O. So we've got two brands, same name, and it's basically like who can get onto voice quicker and whoever does gets that real estate, yeah. you know? Um, that's that's one problem. And then another problem is, um, y- yeah, like how do you kind of get uh, customers aware of whether you are on voice or not? Because it's not like your um, cu- users right now are not, um, very savvy with figuring out um, how to discover various things on Alexa. You know, it's they can't kind of they can't scan through content. They can't um, look through what their options are. So um, it's a there, this is a challenge we're kind of tackling from all from all directions, and it's a combination of you know kind of getting other social channels, um, kind of putting that out through other marketing channels, but. Um, yeah, there's a general like discoverability problem that we're all kind of trying to figure out right now. And then one of the things that we also provide for our clients is that we do have a lingo widget, uh, a social widget that they can post on their websites, uh, just beside their Twitter and their Facebook widgets, just like any other website. But now we have a lingo widget as well, and that uh, we kind of created that in order to help uh, clients promote. Uh, their presence on voice. But yeah, the issue of discoverability is a huge issue. I, I would wager that uh, I think the winning company uh, in the venue of voice is going to be the one that figures out a way to do voice search engine optimization um, and, do, and does it do it well, do it to the point that um, if a customer, a user has absolutely no idea what type of skill to pull in for, say, for example, uh, they're trying to uh, fix a stain on their shirt and like, how do I take out the stain? Uh, I think that Alexa should get so uh, so good at this to the point that they should should be able to provide um, a guideline. Okay, you know, based on your research, based on what the question that you're asking, here is a Tide uh, brand, right? So something like that. So um, I think that companies are going to, just like they do have to do that right now with search engine optimization, create content that it pulls up, you know, that the customer, that Alexa can read and pull up readily uh, to answer some of these questions that customers are, are imposing on, on, on Alexa and whatnot. So I think that it is time uh, for search engine optimization and it's, it's time for discoverability. Um, it's a really big topic. Um, and it's, I think that it's one that is part of that future of voice uh, and the things and the types of improvements that we can look forward to in the next couple of months. I think it's going to move very, very fast. Uh, especially now that the world has realized how powerful voice is. And I think, well, there's two things. One, discoverability as in discovering the skill itself is obviously um, a challenge. And we've kind of touched on that here and there on the podcast. But one of the things we haven't touched on yet, which would be good to get your opinion on, is it's not just finding the skill in the first place. It's actually once you've found the skill and you've enabled it, because you don't have a menu, you don't really know what's there. Essentially, you can just ask it anything. <laughs> so there's two, again, there's, there's kind of two sides to, to the camp from what I've seen. One side of the camp is saying, well, what you should do really to get 
kind of a presence on voices to just do one thing really well. And then there's there's the other side which is saying, well, actually, you need to be able to cater for whatever anyone's going to tell, whatever anyone's going to say. So what would your advice be if I'm a brand looking to sort of get involved in this space? Would you advise me to just start by doing one thing really, really well, like that track your parcel kind of example? Or would you advise them to take a kind of iterative approach to, to creating something that's a bit more vast, that does, you know, whatever a user could ask it? Hey, that's a good question. Um, I it's actually a combination of both things, um, I think. And that's kind of the approach we take at Witlingo as well. Um, first and foremost, you need your brand to be on voice right now. Like it's, it's, um, customers are very, very, very quickly going to start expecting that when they ask Alexa, when they ask Google, Hey, can I do this with your brand on this platform? And if nothing comes up, that's just going to be kind of like weird almost pretty soon. Um, or even right now, I'm sure people expect it right now. So you need to get out there and and you need to have, and it can't be a crappy experience, right? So focus on one thing right now. Focus on, like Luciana mentioned, a big pain point that your customers are dealing with or um, if you're kind of an interactive company or a family-focused company, even getting something educa- um, educational or uh, like some swarm- some entertainment, like family-friendly entertainment that that relates to your brand, um, and then iteratively release new versions. So you want to get something out there that works really well and um, ideally solves a problem or provides content. Um, and then as time goes on with Lingo or as you build, um, just keep releasing new versions and kind of building out that experience so that, I mean, there's no way you could create every possible option and um, user flow in one go. You know, you need to kind of be releasing V1, V2, V3. And it's and it's not just a, you know, one, one time solves everything, right? You just... And your customers' expectations are going to be um, adapting and changing as well. So it's kind of it's kind of a combination of both of those solutions. I agree with what Brielle has to say. I think that um, for brands, first of all, uh, understand that voice is going through its own changes and its own evolution and its own progressions. Um, so I would again suggest that brands start with a big pain point, uh, solve that problem well. But be prepared to scale, right? Be prepared to scale as the uh, the platform changes itself, as more um, uh, more features are are allowed and it's growing. Follow that pattern um, of growth and start exploring what else you can do in order to solve even more problems for your customers. Um, I try to steer clear from complex, really complex voice apps and voice uh, skills only because you always run the threat of building an IVR system, right? So you want to try to be careful with giving too many options in a voice component. Um, Otherwise, what you have is a telephony system and no one needs that. Um, So start definitely focus on the pain point. You will absolutely uh, solve a lot of problems for your customers if you just take that one ridiculous complaint that they have and you allow them to solve it through voice. And then 
would you recommend in that case as they grow with the platform that they create micro skills that solve individual problems or should it roll up within the brand or does it depend on the brand itself? It depends on the brand itself. So say for example, let's say uh, that a brand has an idea for a pain point and somewhere along the way in the discussions they say, oh, it would be great if we could do this, but the uh, Alexa doesn't allow us to do that yet. Hold that, park it for a second. At some point it will be available. And at that point it might make sense for you to incorporate, okay, now we can do this, let's bring that in, right? That makes sense, might make sense for you uh, for one of your components. Another thing, might be that you discover that you've launched um, a voice skill um, that solved the problem, but now there is a splinter problem on the side. And that might require you to build a companion skill, if you will, right? It all depends. Every single brand is going to have a different set of um, use case, different set of case studies and whatnot. Um, But just keep that in consideration. It shouldn't be... I wouldn't necessarily say that you should build a one-off, a one voice skill and then run and then never see it again. But definitely follow the progression of growth with voice. I liked what, yeah, I, I like that. And I like what you were saying there as well, Brielle, when you were talking about starting with one use case and then iterate. Um, and is that, because obviously you you obviously work with a lot of brands. Is that something that it's it's like building a website, isn't it? You, you you build a website and then if you just leave it there to rot, it will eventually become like redundant in the space of about a year. So, are you finding that brands understand the fact that this thing is going to be something that's living and that they're going to have to iterate and build on, or is that part of the education that you've got to do? That's definitely part of the education. Um, it's, um. It's a challenge even kind of getting people to understand that they need to have a presence on voice. And then furthermore, it's and then it just, you know, builds from there having um, trying to kind of explain to them why it's a very involved process from the very first time you build the skill. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of all part of what we're trying to educate people about and um and then there's all there's always also the solutions of um the pre-made um kind of wizards and tools that if you can just get your brand's name onto alexa through your facebook feed or through an rss feed then that's a very good start and then you can start building off of those as well so what's then let's say that that a brand approaches you and you've gone through that phase of trying to understand what the kind of modality fit is and what content they have already and how you can either repurpose it if they're going down a content route or how you can create something that's more sort of service based what would your kind of approach be to to taking a, a client from having this idea to now they're, they're ready to kind of do this? What what's, what would your approach be if there's any kind of brands listening or any developers who are working with brands? What would the kind of approach be to take a brand from having progressed from we've got an idea, we want to do something to, okay, yeah, now let's build something. What What's the sort of process from there on out? So... Um you know, it, for me personally, one of the things that I do is that I try to also understand the voice that the company has and wants to convey out into the world, right? So that in, includes in understanding the persona, the brand persona at that point. And that might involve, for example, an exploration into not into whether or not we can build a skill using uh, Alexa's actual uh, integrated voice, or if we need to incorporate voice talents um, of our own to give that 
a shine to that persona out there. So that's something that we consider as well. Um, another thing that we consider is whether or not it is being launched publicly or if it's being launched privately. We also consider uh, the types of users that we have access to to do usability studies with and how often or if we are participating in usability studies with their internal team. Okay. Uh, we also consider the platform that's best. Now, we launched all of our, just to cover all our bases, we launched all of our skills on uh, Alexa, Google Home, and Cortana. Having said that, it doesn't mean that your use space is going to be using any one of those three. Or, um, in other words, it might be using one specific one, whether that's Alexa or Google Home, right? So it could be that they are Android users and they're using uh, the assistant predominantly on their phones. That's a thing. That's one of my clients. For example, right now, uh, they have global, uh, global clients and the safest platform for them is Google Home on their phones, on Android. So it is, it's expected that they're not going to use, for example, Google Home or Google Unit. Uh, they're going to be using the skill strictly on their mobile devices. So that's something that we need to keep that in mind as well. Uh, visuals, that's another thing. Uh, so what kind of visuals do we incorporate? Are there any visuals that are, are required to be incorporated into the skill? What about privacy? What about security? We kind of take a look at all of those things. Um, so once we know the idea that you have, once we have uh, vetted all of these other things that I have mentioned, then uh, the process is actually to start creating an initial script, vet it with the client, uh, see if there's a flow, see if the voice fits, right? Sometimes what we do is that we create um, a mock, either a prototype mock, and sometimes we use BotMock or another tool uh, to kind of give uh, give them a, a prototype. Basically, let, let, let them listen and see how it's flowing so far, um, especially focus on the conversation, uh, if it's flowing like an actual conversation, because that's what we want to focus on. Um, if it's uh, hitting all of the points and solving those pain points that we've discussed. Um, and then what we do is that once we do, we want to create those iteratively um, and we have come closer to a script that's very, very close to what it is that the client needs, then we start to actually uh, develop a demo, right? And this demo will come as close to the real thing as possible. Uh, we, at that point, will incorporate some sort of usability tests uh, with customers to try to get an idea of how, if we're hitting the marks there. And basically the whole process is very similar to a UX or a design thinking process. We do things iteratively until we get to a point where we feel, okay, great, let's launch. Uh, so there's a lot of involvement from uh, usability from users and from uh, from a client and a lot of back and forth in the conversation to making sure, making sure that the voice component is actually as close to a efficient voice conversation as much as possible. So it's a it's a cool process, but it's very similar to a UX and a design thinking process. And it's it's fun in that um, these are the types of these problems have really never been even attempted before. Like how if you go and ask a brand like what would you sound like in a human voice? Mm -hmm. You know, those types mm -hmm. of things people have never even thought about before. So I mean, one client, we went through weeks and weeks of locating voice actors, auditioning them, um, having them do different takes of different pitches and fast or slow. And the brand had to approve every single thing that we kind of um, 
uh, every audition that we figured out to hone in on this very specific voice that we ended up with. So um, they're really, really fascinating problems to tackle. And it's amazing, incredible to see when you actually do produce and get um, a, like you voice enable a brand. You know, you have you have the experience, you have the conversation, you have the actual voice that you're interacting with. And it's a very um, it's a the whole experience is um, just incredible to see through. So it's interesting that, you know, when we're talking about these things, um, notice that in the industry, we use a lot of terminology like uh, produce and voice and write and screenwrite. And it starts to sound a little bit like film, right? Starts to sound like a different type of interaction. And it's that I would consider that very close. I think one of the biggest skills, and this is something that I'm asked a lot from uh, UX folks wanting to transition to voice, what should I work on? And there it is, screenwriting. You know, start thinking uh, in terms of interaction for the years, right? So if you were to create, for example, uh, an old-timey type of uh, radio show, uh, or, you know, it's something that you're familiar with, Kane Podcasts, right? Um, it's a different type of channel. Um, it's, it's, but the actual discovery and the problem solving of, of it, you can trans, you can bring some of those uh, things that you have learned from your UX practice over to it. Just kind of have to switch it into a almost film-like screenwriting type of thought. It's, it changes your pro- thought process. And that's what I find fascinating about voice. It uh, forces us to think in a completely different way. And it's a very, very creative channel. I think there's quite a few similarities with, you know, filmmaking and stuff like that. The, I touched on the flash briefing a couple of weeks back um, around the concept of sound design and how important sound design is. And, and you know, if you, if you, you can watch a film without the picture and still get the gist of what's happening, but you can't really watch a film without the sound and still be immersed in it. So it's it's kind of like the, the, the whole kind of voice first experience does lend itself to more of a film kind of production environment and from a sound perspective. Um, so what's, let's just kind of touch on a few things before we wrap up then. What is, we'll kind of, we'll kind of go to, to both of you one at a time. What's the most exciting project that you've worked on so far i don't necessarily have to name names or anything like that but you know just some of the most what's the most satisfaction you've had from from building sort of either skills or apps or anything like that we'll start with you brielle um hmm, let's see it might have to be a project that we've created kind of an interactional uh, family experience for so um it's going to be launching very soon um in mid-june and kind of keep an eye out for that. So we, it is basically geared towards parents and younger toddlers, like one to three, um, kind of addressing a pain point of family life and um, creating sort of a very uh, fun experience for a specific part of family life. Um, I'm not sure I can say more than that, but it was, it's a big project. Um, we've we kind of started out with okay what do you want to even do on voice uh and how can we work with you to kind of creatively build out this experience because there there wasn't a sort of like uh, an option kind of like we were discussing earlier they didn't really want to solve a problem necessarily like when is my package arriving it was more of just we want our brand to be kind of um 
on this platform in a very fun way because they're a very, very toddler-oriented and family-based company. So building out an entertaining experience has been really um, unique and kind of honing in on the correct voice, the correct script, and every feature that we've built out um, from start to finish has been a very wild ride. So, yeah, that should be coming out soon, and keep an eye out for that. Cool. What about you, Luciana? Yeah, so for me, um, I think one of the most challenging projects that I've had, and I've uh, been having so much fun uh, with uh, this team working on this, is um, we are creating a skill, actually, well, an action. It's a Google Home action um, to help students, uh, business students, or actually not business students, but business professionals who are trying to learn English for the first time, so non-English speakers, um, and giving them another channel to practice uh, English. So these guys uh, and girls are about level three or so of of their English. In other words, they know how to, they understand a lot of vocabulary. Uh, They know how to do basic conversations such as introductions and whatnot. But what they really need at this point uh, is a little bit more conversation uh, practice. And uh, this client that we're working with thought, well, you know, that would be a great idea if we could use uh, the voice assistants to help them practice what it is that they've learned so far, right? On the level, their English level. So in their English journey, as you say. And uh, the complexity of this is that um, we're involving a lot of accents. So we're there, one of the target markets that they're working with, for example, are Japan and Brazil. And so usability studies and use in, are, are going to involve a lot of these uh, users. And the complexity here is how can uh, Google Home understand some of these accents um, and how can we measure aptitude, the English learning aptitude, when so many people of different accents are coming in and using um, the the action at the same time, right? So it's been very, very, very interesting, very complex, and I wish, I really do wish I could share more about the intricacies of it, uh, but it will be launching uh, soon, um, I think, I believe, uh, July. I'm really excited about it. We are in usability testing right now, and it is very interesting. Uh, for example, I ran one usability testing with my mother, for example, who is a, um, uh, a Brazilian. She's, she has a very, very heavy accent. And one of the things that we discovered is, for example, uh, the word hint. You know, we provide um, hints and guides during the process. And a Google Home could not understand for the life of it what she meant by hint. He kept saying things like pink and pitch. Um, and so things like that are very, very complex, but it's absolutely fascinating. And to me, I'm also a language learner myself. I am not a, I'm I'm a non-native speaker, um, Portuguese background, but I'm also learning Italian myself. And so building something that I would like to use myself is absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it's, it's been the most amazing experience so far and, uh, absolutely love it. And hopefully one of these days I'll be able to actually speak about it in detail. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wicked. That sounds good. Um, it sounds like that's a, must be. Is that a Google challenge, or is that something you've had to build a technical fix for to be able to understand those hints and stuff like that? Is that a Google problem, or a lot of it is a Google problem? Um, and I think also one of the things is ever ever since people have seen the whole duplex fiasco, uh, I think that there is an assumption that Google Home is there right now. It's not. It will be. Right. Um, And that is something that um, 
we are we are working one but in, in terms of dealing with these complexities we've had for example to build a ridiculous amount of utterances of, of acceptable responses by the user to help the unit to understand all of these different responses especially with these different accents um, and that's uh, again something that is uh, dwelling a little bit more into natural language processing at that point um, but yeah it's it is definitely a I guess I would say a shortcoming of Google as it is right now, but we are, as I mentioned uh, earlier, watching the scalability of this of this process. And Dustin, you you've obviously been getting your kind of sleeves rolled up incredibly intently over the course of writing your book and stuff like that. What are some of the you know the real kind of joyful moments you've had from digging around in this space? That's a great question. I think. I think it's like we were speaking about already. It's a, it's about solving problems. It's about uh, knowing that you can can speak with your voice and and solve those problems and and have something that's really great to interact with. One thing that uh, I haven't had the opportunity to do yet uh, personally, but I know is being done is this has such a promise for accessibility. Uh, people who maybe have movement disorders or even just aren't comfortable with computers, but we all know how to speak. Uh, and so this is something that I think really opens the door for people who who didn't have that before, who didn't have that opportunity to interact with computers like a lot of us do on a day-to-day basis. Hmm. Cool. So finally then, uh, Brielle and Luciana, what are your advice, what would your advice be to a brand looking to start in the voice space? Brielle, do you want to go first? Um, so just advice to anybody that wants to kind of get their brand out there onto these platforms? Yeah, yeah. Someone who's, you know, they've kind of, they know they might have an Alexa and they know that there's potential there mm-hmm. and they might want to kind of, you know, either start dabbling around or, or, you know, figuring out whether or not there's opportunities there for them. What would your kind of advice be to brands taking their first steps into this kind of, this uh, voice first world? Right. Um, I mean, there, there was a great article out a, a few weeks ago called um, It's About the Interface, Stupid. I think it was by, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't remember who it was by. But yeah, it's not about, this technology is not amazing because it can understand us and talk back. You know, it's about the use cases that are going to be solved through, um, through the technology. And so think about different ways that, different problems you can solve for your company or your brand and um, ways that you can kind of create that connection with a customer and solve a problem or kind of create a delightful experience or both. Um, and, and not every situation is going to be good for voice. You know, if you are a movie theater and you want customers to be able to hear the, the different show times, there's no way somebody wants to sit through Mm-hmm. Se- like 17 different movies in times, you know, so there, there are very, very specific problems that can be solved. And it's kind of a matter of what are problems my customers deal with and which ones could potentially work for voice. And then, and then seeking out um, people that can help deliver an experience on these platforms. I mean, like Witlingo, shameless plug here, <laughs> or, um, taking a, you know, um, yeah, it's kind of more about what you can solve and create 
and the steps um, that you would take with that is just kind of brainstorming. You know, we always start our our um, our clients off with a brainstorming session, and even if they have all these grand ideas about what they can start doing, it's um, there's always more that you can kind of consider and think about, and then iterate off from them. Mm-hmm. Cool. That so, article, by the way, sorry, uh, the that article was by Enrique Danz, and it's on Forbes. So I'll link to that uh, oh, okay. in the in the show notes. Uh, sorry, Luciana, you were going to say. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, that I'm going to piggyback on what uh, Brielle has said and reemphasize that to start, focus on a pain point, uh, definitely focus on a a pain point that your customers are facing and whether or not that pain point can be easily solved through a short conversation. Like start small like that. Uh, Feel feel yourself around the voice uh, and then start expanding uh, as you gain more confidence with the channel. Cool. And of course, give Witlingo a call yes. uh, when you get to that point. <laughs> so we'll we'll obviously put the link for Witlingo in there. Where can people uh, where can people reach out to either Witlingo or yourselves and, and, and kind of follow what you're up to? Uh, so I am on uh, LinkedIn, uh, Luciana Morais. You can find me there. You can also find me on Twitter at at Luke Alex Morais. I know my last name is a little bit heavy. You can find Witlingo, of course, at witlingo.com. We're also on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, and we are on LinkedIn. Um, we do a lot of postings uh, pretty much. We're pretty active on social media. And also, if you happen to be in a D.C. region, um, Ahmed is one of the founders for the Ubiquitous Voice Society. So we run a lot of meetups helping uh, customers here in the area. And uh, I think we're spreading as well. Uh, the, the meetups are spreading all over the, uh, the United States as well. Um, so go and on Europe. meetup. Find us. And Europe. Yeah, that's right. Europe. Yeah. So find us out there. Um, so we're definitely, we're trying to bring voice and educate people and bring customers and have this conversation. Yeah, anyone's, anyone's welcome to start a chapter of the um, Ubiquitous Voice Society. Yeah. Well, um, I think Luciana covered all the big ones. We find us at Witlingo on Twitter. Um, yeah, that's all the main channels. And um, if you want to ever call in to one of our uh, UVS meetings or um, start your own chapter, you can also do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Fantastic. Well, we'll link to all of that stuff in the show notes. Thank you both, and well, all three of you, Dustin as well, thank you so much for joining us today. That has been uh an immensely interesting episode there. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is yeah, awesome. Thank you for having us. Wow, that was that was such an interesting conversation. It went in ways that, that I wasn't really expecting it to go. We kind of had a bit of an outline at the start, but I'm so glad that we kind of delved deeper into the whole brand side of things and how brands can navigate this space because it's not only something we haven't covered yet on the podcast, but it was also immensely valuable because it is the voice first space is really starting to kind of gain traction. It's getting a lot of coverage in a lot of different areas, and I know that there's brands out there thinking, what the hell does all of this mean? Um, and I think that Luciana and Brielle have, have really, really covered some really valuable points there from discovery to creation to getting started to focusing on a solid use case to iterating and the kind of commitments that it will take for you to get your uh, voice first presence to reach its its potential um, and the importance of, of getting on it now. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, you know, do think about that. Uh, thank you so much both for, for joining us today. Thank you, Dustin, as well. And thank you all for listening. Now, until next time, 
see you later. 